You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Gators Breakdown, the Gators Fan Podcast, because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. The Gators Breakdown Podcast is ready to go. I'm your host, David Waters, and you can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. And joining me for this episode of Gators Breakdown is former Gators wide receiver and now currently an analyst with the SEC Network and co-host of SEC Today on SiriusXM. Chris Doring. Uh, Chris, thanks for joining me here on Gators Breakdown again, and uh, you're wearing many hats these days. Yeah, it's good to be back on with you, man. I appreciate you having me, and uh, definitely spread myself a little bit thin, but it's it's all good stuff. Excited to be on SiriusXM now, and uh, just re-signed with ESPN and the SEC Network for another two years, so excited about that opportunity as well. Oh, good news, good news there. So, yeah, we'll get to, get to see you and get your thoughts uh, for uh, college football and SEC football for for a few for, for much longer now. Yeah. All righty, guys. Remember, you can find all the Gators Breakdown episodes on news4jacks.com slash Gators Breakdown. Uh, find all the Gators Breakdown episodes as well as the articles from the News for Jack sports team. That's newsforjacks.com slash Gators Breakdown. Also, catch it on iTunes, Google Play, and YouTube if you want the video version. And when using their services, please share, rate, and review the show. Let Gator Nation know what they're getting with Gators Breakdown. And on social media, follow us at Gators Breakdown on Twitter and Facebook. So we won't bury the lead here, Chris. And, of course, the, the uh, depth chart got released ahead of the Charleston Southern game on Monday. And after a highly contested quarterback battle, Felipe Franks was named starting quarterback. Chris, you were able to see some practices and scrimmages. What made Franks the choice for Mullen? You know, I'm not so sure that it was a clear-cut definitive choice. Um, you know, in the practices I saw, I think I saw some good things from each of them. I saw some things that, that made me a little skeptical as well. Um, at the end of the day, I think these guys are still very young and, and raw in terms of their quarterback development. They're being taught, I think, a little differently than what they've been taught previously. And, and one of the biggest things I think that's impeding their development is just the the consistency of the offensive line. I mean, that was a problem last year. That offensive line gave up 36 sacks, which was, uh, what, 13th or 14th in the SEC, I believe. Uh, they return all the starters from last year, but still, is that a good thing necessarily? You'd like to believe that they may have gotten better and that there's more, more continuity up front, but you know, I, I haven't seen that consistency that I want to see. So you can have all the, the great weapons that Florida has, which I, I do believe they're better at wide receiver than they've been. I think they're deeper and more talented at running back than they've been. They've got a chance to be good at tight end. But if you're not able to block effectively up front, you don't have a quarterback that can process 
and deliver the ball accurately, then, you know, what's it really worth at the end of the day? So I think Felipe Franks is the guy that they're going to go with um, because he has that experience from last year. I also think it was a little bit of managing personalities as well. And I think that Kyle Trask has shown his ability to come off the bench in the past, whether as a high school guy or a guy that's had to sit on the bench behind some other guys during his time in Gainesville. And I think, to quite honestly, Felipe Franks is a guy that has a, a temperament that, that may have been damaged had he had to, to, to be relegated to the bench, had he not won that job. So I think you go with Franks. Hopefully he plays well. If he doesn't, at least you know you can go to, to Kyle Trask, whereas if it was Kyle Trask and he didn't play well, I don't know that bringing uh, Felipe off the bench would be as, as quite as attractive uh, as an opportunity as it is when you, you have Kyle Trask as your backup. Chris, when we look at this, you know, quarterbacks in general and, and, and these quarterbacks, it's, you know, about their arm, but we know in the Dan Mullen offense, the quarterback's legs is important as well. Uh, how much did, how much do we expect with Felipe Franks? And if eventually it gets to Kyle Trask, can we expect these quarterbacks to run? You know, I think that uh, Dan Mullen has, has described it fairly accurately. And it's not looking for a guy that necessarily wants to run. It's a guy that's willing to run. And they're going to put a lot of different um, pressures on the, on the defense by a lot of zone read, a lot of the option stuff that they do. And the quarterback's going to be required to not only read it properly, but if he, if he is given the opportunity to run, then he has to be a willing runner, as Dan Mullen has said. Get, you know, get what you can, fall forward, and preserve yourself. It doesn't have to be a Nick Fitzgerald type of runner where – you know, you're picking up big gains and you're, you're taking big hits. I think you just have to be willing to take what the defense gives you because you're going to be putting those guys in, in some binds with the scheme that Dan Mullen runs. All righty, Chris, I asked uh, some of our listeners out there, scattered breakdown listeners, for some questions. And, and Drew Helmich wanted to ask you, so since you played the game, you know, you, you have a lot different perspective uh, than a lot of us out there. Do you have more patience for a quarterback like Felipe Franks more than the average fan, uh, given that he struggled last year and is a redshirt freshman? I have less patience for the quarterbacks, in fact. You know, I mean, I think, you know, I played in the, in the day of Florida where the quarterback was held to a high standard under Steve Spurrier. And, um, he was pretty apt to, to switch quarterbacks, as you know. If he wasn't happy with what he was seeing out there in the field, it was a rotating door at times. So I think I am one that 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 believes that the quarterback should be able to, to read defenses, that he should be able to, to throw the ball accurately. And I think you know, a lot of it goes back to the way that, that the previous staff practiced and the way they taught. I'm, I'm not trying to, to, to bang on guys that aren't here anymore, but – you know, I, I really believe that coaching on the field and not necessarily trying to, to get as many reps on tape and going back and coaching at the time. I thought Coach Berger did a really good job, and Dwayne Dixon, our receiver coach, did a good job of, of providing feedback on the field so that when you took that next rep, you didn't make that same mistake again. And I think that these guys haven't necessarily been in, put in positions to be as successful as they can, but at the end of the day, there does have to be some accountability that comes along with it too. And if you're not – you're not performing, you got to be able to move on to the next guy. And I think that's what Florida didn't have last year. I went back and actually was watching that Kentucky game from last season. When Del Rio went in there, there was a, a distinct rhythm that you could see. He was getting people lined up. He was getting them to the line. They were going, and they were developing some continuity. And that's what offensive football is all about is rhythm. So I think once Del Rio went down, you, 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 you lost the ability to go to anybody else. You kind of had to go with Franks. Kyle Trask was hurt, too, after his surgery. So it was a it was kind of the the only option you really could could turn to, and it, it unfortunately I think probably hurt the development of Felipe Franks with all of the turnovers, with all the negativity that he had to had to hear from from the fan base. And um, 
hopefully this year he'll be able to shake that off and play well from game one. All right, Chris, we know this team is deep at running back and will be a run-first team, and that's just a demo in offense in general. Just how success, successful do you see this offense being led by Scarlett Davis, Piran, and, and the running game? Is there a ceiling uh, just because they may have to rely on this running game so much? Well, I think the ceiling is the offensive line. Again, I mean, just as we talk about how many sacks they give up, if they're not able to move people off the line of scrimmage, if they're not able to be physical at the point of attack, it doesn't matter how good you are in the running back room. So I, I do like – I think Scarlett, I saw him in the spring. I've seen him this fall. He's running – like a man with a chip on his shoulder. He's got something to prove. His body looks like he definitely spent time away when he was not with the team working out. And I think even Nick Savage has taken him to another level. It's great to see Malik Davis back after that injury. He looks to be fast. He looks to be able to cut the same way we saw him in the first half of his true freshman year. P. Ryan's a guy I think that doesn't get the, the credit that he deserves because I think, you know, he, he definitely has shown himself to be not only dependable, but he's got a little burst in him as well. And then uh, Lemons, to me, Lemons and, and Pierce, the, the true freshman Pierce, I'm really excited about, about those guys. I think they have a little contrast in style. But Pierce, record-setting type running back up in high school in, in the state of Georgia, um, is fast, has that breakaway speed, but also finishes run, runs physically. So I think the only real problem that I see outside of the offensive line, maybe not giving them the room to run, is how you get enough touches to feed all these guys. And I think managing egos is going to be a, a challenge for this offensive staff. Yeah, Pierce was probably my favorite recruit off of this uh, this last class, and uh, you know we we we've heard we've heard some things that he's he's ready to go as a true freshman, and uh, I think we're ready to see that if you know like as you said they can spread these carries out enough, you know, start with Scarlett, and uh, I'll tell you what, you know, Davis he just really seems to be that home run threat uh, that that this running back core has been missing for 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 a few seasons. Yeah, I mean, I think that was the thing again that was frustrating. Every time you felt like you had something last year, it gets taken away with injury. And, uh, <laughs> He was certainly one of the bright spots through the first half of the season. And to see him go, go down, it definitely – he didn't have much home run threat in the passing game. I think Cleveland was about all you had there, and they couldn't necessarily get the ball to him as much as you wanted to. And, and then when you lose Davis, you, you were more of a plotting type offense, limited because of your own athleticism and speed. Chris, the, 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 this uh, word potential can be scary sometimes, but that's what we're looking at, this wide receiver core with Ben Jefferson and Trayvon Grimes coming in. And as you mentioned, Tyree Cleveland, and you've mentioned uh, it's going to hinge on this offensive line, uh, but the potential is there with this wide receiver core. Yeah, we've talked about potential for probably the last five or six years when it's come to the wide receiver position. I think the difference now is you've got a guy in Billy Gonzalez that really teaches the details. I was impressed with him in his first stint in Gainesville under Urban Meyer. Had a number of great receivers that went on and had good careers in the NFL. And I've gotten to know him a little bit. He coaches receivers more the way that I was coached with Wayne Dixon and Coach Furrier. It's attention to detail, really. I mean, it's about um, teaching the little things. It's about having guys with the proper shoulder lean come off the line of scrimmage. It's about putting your foot in the ground and getting separation. It's about getting your head around these guys now are being taught much better than I think they have been in the last few years. I see Tyree Cleveland, you know, as a guy that's now running intermediate routes, catching the football with his hands, not just a deep threat, you know, to take the top off the, the secondary. You know, I see um, Hammond, who's always been a little bit of a, a pretty good route runner, now expanding what he's able to do. So I do like Van Jefferson and his proven production in the SEC. I think Grimes, while he has an NFL-ready body, still has some development to do himself. But uh, I think all in all, there is a lot of potential here, and I think they have a better chance to realize it because of the way they've been taught 
over the spring and fall camp so far. Chris, we know the history of Dan Mullen and, and, and fixing offenses, but what should the expectation be in year one for fixing this offense? Yeah, I was of the belief that this was a team that could win eight or nine games just because of how much talent was on the roster. I thought they were much better than the four and seven record last season reflected. But as I've, I've watched a little bit, I still think you're, you're going to be limited because of the offensive line and the quarterback position. And I know people have said, oh, man, the quarterback's are going to be so much further along. I don't, I, don't buy, I don't necessarily buy it. I think they look great in one-on-ones and in half-field situations and seven-on-seven. But when the bullets are flying, I don't know that I see that calm, collected kind of air about the quarterbacks that, that you'd love to see. You know, and I think that's the thing that I got spoiled by playing with Danny Warfel. Is this guy was he was okay in practice, but he took it to another level when it got to the games. And I think a lot of times these quarterbacks, from what we've seen, they may be the other way around. You know, when I've seen them in scrimmage situations in the stadium, it hasn't necessarily been that same cool, calm, collected nature that you like. So. I know it's a work in progress, but I think Gator fans should temper their enthusiasm a little bit because it's not an overnight fix. It's not an overnight fix on the field, and it's not an overnight fix with the culture. I do think there's still um, – Dan Mullen has a job in front of him to fix the, these guys with their own mental limitations. They think they're going hard, but they don't know what hard is necessarily. Nick Savage did a lot to help develop that during the, the offseason strength and conditioning program, but it's still a recurring problem that Dan Mullen's – trying to deal with, and I don't know if they can fix it in year one, unfortunately. All right, Chris Doring here from the uh, SEC Network, former Gators wide receiver, joining me here on Gators Breakdown. Just a few more questions for him uh, before we let him go here. And uh, last year, Chris, you know, we defense, so we saw a team, uh, we saw a defense that take a, a, took a big step back uh, last year as far as the standard goes for a Florida defense. You know, for many reasons, the defense went away from that attacking mentality, and, and now they get that back with Todd yeah. Grantham, uh, the new defensive coordinator coming in. Can they just flip a switch and get in the right mindset after playing much differently last season? You know, I've had a chance to talk to a bunch of these defenders, and they're all excited about playing in this scheme, you know, a much more aggressive attacking scheme, as you kind of referenced. Look no further than Mississippi State last year. Todd Grantham comes in, and that became a defense that really got after the quarterback. Montez Sweat led the conference in sacks last season. You know, Jeffrey Simmons was a beast in the middle. Obviously, those guys have talent, but they were put in positions to be more aggressive. And I think that that's kind of what has these defenders licking their, their chops a little bit. C.C. Jefferson's a guy that's told me, you know, how excited he is about to be utilized in a number of different ways in this, in this defense. So I think Todd Grantham comes in in year one and really cranks things up. I think you look at this defense, the defensive line, I had them in my top five when we ranked it earlier in the SEC Network in August. Um, I think the, the linebackers are really good, but thin at that position. I think in the secondary, you may have the best pair of cornerbacks in C.J. Henderson and Marco Wilson. Unfortunately, you have a lot of youth and inexperience behind that. So Florida doesn't have the luxury of being able to, to, to um, sustain injuries and not miss a beat. They've got to stay healthy on that side of the ball. But I do believe that where there are some potential deficiencies and shortcomings in, the, uh, in that back half of the defense, the defensive line and their aggressive nature is going to be able to, to overcome some of that, in my opinion. Okay, good. That's exactly the way uh, I look at it there, too. Uh, Chris, you mentioned Marco Wilson, C.J. Henderson, and you playing wide receiver. You know what makes great cornerbacks. What, does, what's have the, what did those guys show you in their first years to, to already be labeled as top tier in the SEC? C.J. Henderson got a lot of um, – kind of got a lot of uh, praise in his first season because he was always around the ball. You know, there was something about him 
I think what he had four interceptions last year, a couple of picks to the house. So this is a guy that, that definitely has a nose for the ball. Um, I think, and I look at Marco Wilson, uh, I think he's got a chance to be better than his brother Quincy. And we're talking about, you know, a pretty good cornerback in his own right. He's physical. He's big. He's athletic. He can play press coverage. He can play off. He's not afraid to tackle. So I really do believe that um, he was overlooked a little bit last year because it was Henderson that was getting a lot of the, um, the interceptions and breakups. And I think people maybe shy away from Marco Wilson a little bit because of just how good he is on that other side. Got a couple more questions here for Chris Doy. Um, Gators had the, the opener last year versus Michigan and much different this year. A year later, you're facing an opponent that you, that you should handle pretty easily in Charleston Southern. There's still plenty of reasons to be excited, as you know, as this is Dan Mullen's first game. Uh, this is really a game that's really more and all about Florida. What are things you'd like to see in Dan Mullen's first game against an overmatched opponent? Uh, I want to see some offensive rhythm, and we kind of talked about it a little bit earlier in terms of last year's offense. Uh, I want to see a quarterback that, that can get their, their guys to the line of scrimmage, that can get in and out of the huddle, that can get proper cadence. And really, I don't want to see a bunch of penalties. You know, that's one thing I've seen an awful lot of is false start penalties, premature snaps, uh, different things that, that put – the offense in, in long yardage situations. Florida's not good enough offensively to overcome negative plays on first and second down. Just, you know, they're, they're limited at this point in time. So I'd like to see some offensive continuity. I'd like to be able to see some, some drives be sustained, converting some, some third downs, moving the chains a little bit. And then um, defensively, I'm excited about that aggressive nature. I think the defense is going to have to carry this team early in the season until the offense kind of develops a personality and who they're going to be and figure out exactly what pieces fit together the best. So I think the defense has got to be ready to bail the offense out at times. They got to be aggressive in nature and create some turnovers. And I think that's what Todd Grantham's kind of excited about. I mean, I think he's got, he's shown he's got free reign with Dan Mullen when he was in Starkville. And I think the same is going to hold true here in Gainesville. Chris, Dan Mullen's first year, an overmatched opponent, game one, Kentucky game two, how much game planning goes into a game like this, you know, especially where uh, this is a team that's basically in a way still learning? You know, I don't think it's necessarily about a game plan necessarily for week one. I think it's about, hey, let's do what we do. Let's figure out what it is. And Dan Mullins talked about this through everything at the quarterbacks, and then they go back and watch it on film and figure out which of those things they do best, which of the things fit the, those quarterbacks' eyes the best, and then figure out a game plan around those types of plays. And I think that's what you'll see in this game. Um, I, I'll be honest with you, David, I'm really worried about the, the Kentucky game. And I know a lot of fans that maybe um, don't know a lot about Kentucky think, hey, we beat them 31 years in a row. It's going to be 32, no problem. But I think this is the most important game on the Florida schedule. Um, one, because Kentucky is a lot more talented. You look across the board offensively, got more depth of talent than I've seen in Lexington in a long time. They return a bunch of starters on defense, even though they lost Denzel Ware in the spring with a, uh, when he transferred to, to Jacksonville State. But it's going to be a challenge. If this was a game in Lexington, I would probably pick Kentucky to upset Florida because Florida's going to be still so young and new in what they're trying to do. But I think the Swamp hopefully can provide a, a good uh, home field advantage for the Gators. But at the end of the day, if things go wrong in that Kentucky game, how do they respond? I don't know that there's a bunch of leaders right now. I don't know there's a bunch of mental toughness. If things don't go Florida's way early on, I don't know that there's those leaders to stabilize things and get them back on track and make plays when they need to. 
I believe if they lose that game to Kentucky, they probably lose at Tennessee. I think if they win at Kentucky, there's a pretty good chance they go to Knoxville in their first road trip of the year and they, they have much more confidence. So I think it's a big mental game for Florida in week two. And I don't, it's not to overlook this weekend with Charleston Southern, but I think at the end of the day, um, that Kentucky game is going to loom largely and, and really define the trajectory of the season from there on out. Yeah, I think one thing that helps there, Chris, is you know that was Mississippi State's permanent crossover rival. So Mullen knows that team pretty well. He knows uh, that team well, and I think what they did last year was they were incredibly physical with Kentucky. They out-physical yeah. the Wildcats. I, I don't know if Florida has that same physicality on the offense like uh, Mississippi State did last year. But you're right, they've, they've played them a lot in the past. They know them well, and um, at the end of the day, this is now an SEC East rival for uh, Dan Mullen. He's going to have to – I think there's a tier of teams in the SEC East. I think it's Georgia, and I think the next tier is Florida, Kentucky, South Carolina, and Missouri. And I think those teams will be battling to try to contend with Georgia. It'll be interesting to see who kind of comes out of that pod as the, the, the next best team in that division. All right, Chris, and the last one here, you just mentioned Kentucky as probably one of the most dangerous games for Florida. But what game are you most excited to see for the Gators this year? Oh, man, you know, I'm excited about that return to Starkville for, for Dan Muller. Yeah, I think that's going to be – that's a game that I've, I've, I've predicted Florida probably loses just because of, of all of the factors. I think – quite honestly, I think Mississippi State is the is the, probably the third best team in this conference. I have them going 11-1 and one with the loss to Alabama in the regular season. But I think that um, they're extremely talented. Their, their defensive line is, is probably the best in the conference right there with Auburn. And I think they have a quarterback in Nick Fitzgerald that can do a lot. I think Joe Moorhead um, will hone his passing accuracy and help him become a more well-rounded quarterback. But at the, uh, at the end of the day, the emotion in that stadium, I know those fans are really going to be looking forward to having Dan Mullen return. It'll be interesting to see if they, if they cheer for him or they boo him or there's a mix of emotions with him coming back, given all the success he had and departing the way he did for another Southeastern Conference foe. But uh, that's the game I think I'm kind of most excited about right now. Sounds good. Sounds good. So Gator fans, you can find him on SEC Network and Sirius Radio uh, with the uh, SEC channel there. So Chris Doring, I can't thank you enough for joining me here again on Gators Breakdown and uh, breaking down these Gators. Yeah, man. Always good to be with you. I love what you do and uh, appreciate your work, man. All right. Thanks, Chris. Take care. You know, ever since I started this podcast, people have been asking me for advice. Usually it's what team to bet on this week. And the truth is, I don't know who's going to win. But if you think you know, you got to check out my bookie. Remember, who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. That's why I tell people to bet with my bookie. Trust me, guys, they are your best bet this season. They've been in the business for years, have great reviews, and an easy-to-use mobile site. So lay down some cash and win big today. Hey, look, guys, I'd only recommend a service to my listeners. That's been good to me. That's why I urge you to make your way to my bookie. You win, they pay. My bookie has in-game live betting, the most rewarding player perks in the business. And for you fantasy guys out there, you can even bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score in each game. So join my bookie now, and they will match your deposit dollar for dollar. Use promo code GATORS. To activate the offer, visit MyBookie online today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E, MyBookie.ag. And don't forget to use promo code GATORS when creating your account to claim the bonus. MyBookie. You play, you win, you get paid. So guys, I did uh, on Twitter, 
uh, asked you out there, you know, what do you want to see in game one? And uh, what do you expect to see versus Charleston Southern? And uh, I've got a lot of responses out there, uh, as I figured we would. Hey, look, we're all excited uh, for this Dan Mullins uh, first game here. And we should be, you know, this is the first game of the season and it is much different than that Michigan game uh, last year, you know, for the excitement of just a big game. But this game is exciting because it's Dan Mullen's first game and we're ready to see uh, these new look Gators. So start off with Ryan Jones. Uh, he wants to see good offensive line play, how the linebacker depth looks and how is RJ Raymond going to be uh, blocking as an H back. Can Franks take a breath and relax uh, to make the right choices quickly and trust his coaching. So, you know, a couple things there. Uh, of course, offensive line play, as, as Chris Doring uh, just mentioned in the in the show, all important, going to be important, going probably to carry this team just as far as the quarterbacks do. Uh, and, and the R.J. Raymond thing, yeah, I mean, look, we've mentioned it time and time again. Go back to 2005 when Florida was struggling on offense, had a bye week before the Georgia game, in come Billy Latsko, and it's kind of a, you know, a blocking style of H-back and, and, and trying to help this running game uh, get some lanes and, and get going there. So, yeah, uh, there's two aspects there that uh, I really like uh, what Ryan brought up there with R.J. Raymond and, of course, uh, the offensive line play. Uh, Brett Adams says, a competent offense that can move the ball, an offensive line that can bully, a couple big plays on offense, an aggressive defense that flies to the ball, a defense that doesn't miss tackles, more discipline and fewer penalties, all that. As I all that is what I want. Hopefully, we see four uh, out of the six there. So yeah, uh, a competent offense, of course. You know, we talked about it earlier. Uh, an offense that can get up to the line of scrimmage and not wait till so locking so late into the play clock. Uh, get up there, get to the line, you make some checks and changes if you have to. You know, snap the ball with some time left in the play clock. Get up there and and, and dictate. That's what I want to see from this offense. I want to see some dictation uh, and, and not so. Uh, you know, I mean, you know, you, you heard Will mention it, and you go back to last year's uh, games, and there was no cadence hardly last year. You know, defensive lines, opposing defensive lines, could just fire off the ball because they knew what was coming in this Florida offense. So, it's just these little things that add up to to that to, to make an offense look uh, more competent. Um, there, you know, some big plays. Yeah, definitely, uh, I expect to see some big plays here from an overmatched opponent. Offensive line that can bully. Uh, yeah, I mean, I remember, I remember going back to last year and after even going back to the spring game this past season, I was seeing this offensive line just come out with some fire uh, and start really just bowling over teams. Uh, you know, it starts especially with an overmatched opponent that you have in Charleston Southern uh, there. So, uh, Atlanta Gator, Casey Hampton here uh, at uh, C Hampton 85. He wants to see a win, uh, a good old-fashioned win, not a grinded-out 17-9 win, but a return to a Gator win. That's all he wants to see. And look, guys, we, we know what that means. That is going back to Muschamp, going back to McIlwain, and these games where you're you're playing the cupcakes, and it's a game into the fourth quarter. You know, we want to see a game where, as, as it should happen, Florida should be putting up 50, 60 points in this game. This really shouldn't be a game. Uh, Fireworks. You know, that's what we want to see. We want to have some fun in the swamp. We want to be, you know, clapping hands with fans all around us because Florida's putting up touchdown after touchdown. And, uh, you know, offense, defense, special teams, however it happens, uh, you know, mainly on offense, of course. We want to see Felipe France come out and, and throw the ball well. 
get some backups, some some playing time. We want to see some Kyle. Uh, you know, Felipe Francis isn't going to play the whole game. You shouldn't play the whole game if it's a blowout. Get Kyle Trask in, get him some playing time, get him uh, his first real game playing time. Maybe some packages for Emory Jones as well, uh, and, and we'll see how deep this running back rotation goes too uh, in, in a game uh, where you should be able to get plenty of them uh, some playing time here. Uh, so that goes into the to next one. That's Stephen Allen Lee. He wants to see Emory Jones. Uh, he expects to see Felipe Franks be super average, um, even in this game. So Stephen Allen wants to really see uh, Emory Jones uh, make an appearance here. Yeah, I think he will uh, as long as he's playing here. Um, Gators 2018. Uh, it's uh, at Doug Rinker. Anything different slash better than what we saw last year will work for me. I don't want uh, I don't want the breaks put on with points. Keep scoring till it's over, and then the same thing next week. Don't ever take our foot off their throats. Richard Jordan uh, says thirty plus points for the offense. A hundred yard rusher, two hundred yards in the air. Um, defense with four tackles for loss. Uh, keep them to thirteen points or less. Uh, one great special teams play. And uh, let's see, Terrell Jones Sr. says, I expect to see Dan do what he does. Um, he's a great coach and, and great calling, uh, calls great plays. Dan and the players will do all their jobs. Florida fans need to be there. Uh, I've been coming, working, even uh, uh, being recruited. I've been a diehard Gator fan since 89. Gator Nation needs to pack the stadium here. And, th- and that is, you know, needs to happen there. Putting the cheap tickets out there on the secondary market. Let's, you know, let's pack the swamp for Dan Mullen's first game. Uh, here it should be a good time. It's a night kickoff. Uh, you'll have all day to tailgate. Plenty of time to get down to Gainesville. Let's sit there and uh, and pack that swamp and be loud there. So uh, Lonnie Sunshine at MJ Exchange. Uh, what he wants: two hundred and fifty uh, plus yards rushing and two hundred yards passing. What he expects: discipline play and less penalties there. So uh, you know a lot of Gator fans mentioning uh, just the uh, discipline. Uh, less penalties because we, we saw too much of that in the past, no matter who Florida was playing here. Uh, Bobby Glenn, let's see here. Uh, Rowdy Lizard, polite with four sacks. I'll tell you what, uh, I did our over-under in the last episode, and that, that would uh, go good. That would be a good start for me in this game, just getting <laughs> at least 30 sacks for the season here if polite gets four sacks. Uh, he also wants 300 yards rushing. Uh, it'd be a lot, but, hey, look, uh, with Sable back Florida has and, and, and this opponent, 300 yards rushing might be attainable uh, here. Four passing touchdowns, a shutout, uh, 50 points for the offense, a pick six, uh, a return touchdown. That ought to do it for Bobby Glenn, he says. So uh, Bobby Glenn uh, uh, taking out uh, everything here uh, and what he wants to see uh, these Gators do. Uh, Bob C uh, at Rack 1170. Um, I want to see Franks at 60% completion with at least 250 yards passing. I uh, expect to see 400 yards on offense with at least 35 points here. And yeah, I, I'd say they expect the total for a game like this, at, at least in the 40s, um, for for you know for what you're trying to do. Dan Mullen's not going to let off the gas here. You know, this is uh, a time for, uh, as I mentioned, you know, fans need to go to this game. But I think Dan Mullen knows what fans want to see, and this would be a a, a chance to. You know, it's an overmatched opponent. It, it doesn't really mean much in the end um, uh, as far as uh, a point total. But, look, it's a lot more fun when you see your team scoring uh, a ton of points. So I think if, if Dan Mullen can get the team to do it, they'll be doing it here. Uh, Thomas Moss at Gator Moss, 500-plus uh, 
yards on offense, a pick six, a block punt, complete dominant on defense, a 63-7 to score. He wants to hear the fans roaring, the swamp back to life, fireworks, fans, players, thumping to the beat, on a spiritual ex- experience, exploding enthusiasm, as you can as you can tell there. Thomas Moss is ready for some Gator football uh, when the Gators kick off uh, this Saturday. Fourth and Jort, still probably one of the best Twitter names uh, of all time there. I, I kind of laugh every time and, and chuckle with it. So um, once he uh, six passing touchdowns, whew, that'd be a lot. Uh, 400 yards uh, through the air, what he expects. Three rushing touchdowns, 300 yards uh, on the ground. So uh, added a couple more here. Attitude 14, improved offensive line play, new special teams additions, show promise in an aggressive yet disciplined defense, and zero injuries. And that, that is another thing. Injuries come into play here. Uh, yeah, you're trying to you're trying to build depth in games like this. A lot of guys are going to be on the field. Injuries are going to happen. They're part of the game. But uh, you know, hopefully, you know the Gators can, uh, for, for the most part, besides in the secondary, are pretty healthy. Brett Hagee along the offensive line, uh, you know, coming back. So for the most part, pretty healthy, except for that uh, secondary uh, safety position uh, here. Uh, Lord Heller says Malik Davis distanced himself from the other backs. So we don't have to watch three running backs split 35 to 40 carries. Yeah, I, I expect them to go pretty deep here into the running back rotation. I don't think you're going to play Jordan Scarlett a whole lot. Malik Davis, uh, maybe just enough to show uh, what he can do in the game situation coming back from an injury. So I expect a lot of Michael, Michael Piran, uh, Darius Lemons, and Damian Pierce in this game, and not so much Jordan Scarlett uh, and Malik Davis. I think you'll see those guys early, but you won't see them uh, often here. Ryan Hinckley wants to see 70 points. Uh, but he expects to see half that. So <laughs> look, uh, look, it's a uh, PTSD from a lot of these Michael Wayne and, and most champ offenses here. Uh, so a lot of wait and see mode uh, for Gator fans here uh, as we get some of these expectations. Uh, Kevin Kuzma, uh, I want to see an insanely, insanely aggressive defense. Remind me of Jeff Collins, please. I expect to see that as well. So, yeah, I think we will see some aggressiveness. I think some of the aggressiveness will actually just come in being overmatched. Uh, you know, this defensive line versus the Charleston Southern uh, offense is going to be running a pretty conservative triple option, maybe from a shotgun uh, type of offense here. So, you know, it, this game might go by pretty fast as much as Florida may be running the ball and Charleston Southern runs the ball as well. Uh, and, and with that style of play, I'm not sure how aggressive – uh, Florida will be, and also just you know showing putting a lot of stuff on tape. Of course, you know everybody probably knows uh, Todd Grantham and, and, and his defense, but uh, I don't think he'll show too much here as, as far as scheme goes. But you can still be aggressive uh, without you know kind of scheming it up that way. Uh, Nick Self, I want to see our O line not get destroyed by lesser opponents. There we go again, uh, and expect to see 250 plus rushing yards. Uh, last couple here. I'd like to see us run for over two. Uh, this is from Sean Hankins. Uh, I'd like to see us run for over 250 yards. Frank's looks good. Uh, Frank's to look good through his progressions and have four total touchdowns. We win by 50. Wishful thinking. LOL. So, <laughs> uh, you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. I, I think the Gators will put up a good bit of points here. Uh, comment before that was Nick Self, where he wants to see uh, the offensive line not get destroyed. So I didn't want to leave his name off there. Uh, and uh, Gator Cowboy fan, he wants to see 350 yards passing, expect to see 300 yards rushing and 150 yards passing. Need to see depth that linebacker and in the secondary safety is still an issue. So, yeah, uh, 
thank you guys for for sending all that uh you know all, all your thoughts here you know we're, we 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 know a lot of people are excited um uh about the Dan Mullen's first game and uh you definitely showed it in all the tweets that you sent uh our way when I threw that out there and what you want to see and what you expect to see this Saturday in a swamp and then uh, I want to talk about a couple more things before uh, I wrap up this episode in the offensive line you know uh you know like me a lot of you guys know just how much of a struggle it's been up front and while uh, I know many of you want to see Franks pass it all over the stadium Saturday night I think this is a chance to, to get the offense in a groove early, and I expect a lot of running uh, still. Now, I do expect a, a little more passing because I think Mullen wants to see Franks and the other quarterbacks handle it under the lights. But this is a chance for the offensive line to go out there and just dominate, You know, get some confidence heading in uh, to Kentucky uh, and play the game uh, and game speed. You know, Just get this offensive line. You know, We've heard uh, Hevesy and, and Mullen talk about this offensive line uh, Keeping up with the pace, and you know this is uh, this now will be a game speed pace, and I don't think it'll be as fast as what they were showing them in practice. You know that was uh, that that was going you know at, at speed one hundred. I'm not sure if Florida's going to be going at speed one hundred uh, all the time, but you prepare that way, and I think Florida in this offensive line, Dan Mullen, John Hevesy, we just want to see you know how these guys react. Uh, to that, to this new style of offense in the game type of situation, and, and work on what they know they would do well, and, and that's running the ball. Uh, and one more thing, I think we must see um, if Franks gets off to a good start and, and prepare him for those back-to-back road trips uh, for Tennessee and Mississippi State later on uh, in the season. You know, he has three weeks to play in this offense. Uh, and, and do it under the lights and that, and that game speed for him as well, much like this offensive line. You know, only one of these first three opponents posed a threat, and, and that's Kentucky. And it's also a team that, that Frank struggled against on the road last season. So, look, Franks wasn't great overall last season, but he was much better at home than he was on the road. So he, he needs to get these three games, put it all together, and, and, and prepare for that, that, that really tough back-to-back stretch with, with Tennessee and Mississippi State. Now, look, uh, he had overall more numbers at home. Uh, playing in six games, going uh, you know uh, 89 for 154, uh, completing 57.8 percent of his throws on the road. In five games, he went 36 for 75 and only 48 percent completion percentage. So 976 yards at home, 462 on the road. Uh, yards per attempt were 6.3 and 6.2 uh, at home. A seven to six touchdown to interception ratio, two and two on the road. He averaged more passing attempts at home with 25 uh, and yards per game at home were 162.7 um, compared to 92.4 on, on the road. So uh, a big disparaging you know, statistical uh, you know, breakdown there of Felipe Frank and his difference from playing at home and, and playing on the road. He played he played much better at home than he did on the road. So now, look, two of the two of the best defenses were away from the swamp last season when Florida played Michigan and, and Georgia in neutral sites. Yeah, but it started with that Kentucky game on the road and getting pulled there and, and pretty much continue all season. So I, I think it's imperative for Franks to really build his confidence uh, in these first three games before going on the road. And it starts Saturday night versus Charleston Southern. If he does really well, I don't know, you know, how much we can take away from this. If, you know. But except for the fact that it's better than the alternative, Franks must not struggle in this game. And uh, you know, I think he'll put a pretty good showing on, uh, and, and, and you know, set set himself up for a big game uh, against Kentucky 
uh, next week. So I had some people ask, and I guess it's mostly got lost in the shuffle and stuff. And then I made some picks and predictions um, back in the SEC media days. You know, picking Florida second in the, in the East, and you know, I gave the the prediction of eight and four, and I, I'm still sticking with that uh, there. You know, some people have asked about my predictions. Uh, for the season and, and eight and four, much like Doring here, uh, Chris Doring earlier in the episode, uh, this quarterback position, this offensive line still makes me skittish uh, of picking. Uh, you know, for, I, I expected once fall camp started that uh, I hope I would feel better about the quarterback position at this point where we are right now. And you know, I, I was leaning eight and four, nine and three. Now I'm I'm a pretty solid eight and four. Uh, you know, given the questions of of quarterback. And offensive line play. Uh, I got the losses to Mississippi State, Georgia, South Carolina, or Missouri, and, and FSU. Now, look, uh, I can see nine and three with better quarterback play, but it's just something I have to see before I can actually pick nine and three. And like the, the South Carolina, Missouri, uh, what, you know, I'm going back and forth. Uh, maybe uh, who I pick, you know, Florida to lose uh, one of those two games. But look, it, it's a first year coach. You bring a new coach in, you get some ups and you get some downs. Uh, you know, with the ups, you know, beat B, 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 LSU, um, you know, going on the road and beat Tennessee, can end in the season to, to beat FSU. You know, I, I don't know. It, it, it's hard to, to kind of pinpoint the games. You know, Florida uh, may lose here, uh, this season. You know, the Georgia's ones I definitely feel the most confidence in, and, and Florida maybe not maybe able to pull out a win there. That road, that road trip to Starkville, uh, as well, it, it's pretty dangerous, but, uh, you know, eight and four uh, it's about what I see. I think that would, a lot of people have asked me too, what would be a successful season this season? Eight and four to me would be would be successful. You would have some good wins if you go eight and four. You would beat hopefully a, a pretty good LSU team. You would beat a South Carolina uh, or a Missouri where pe- people are high on Missouri, uh, or maybe one of those wins is FSU. Maybe one of those wins is Georgia. Maybe one of those wins is on the road at Mississippi State. And I will say it's imperative for Florida to start four and zero. I think uh, you know to get into kind of this eight four nine and three mark. Florida has to go to Knoxville at three and zero and walk out of there with a W. Um, that's, that's kind of just how, how I seen it seeing it play out. If you want the eight and four nine and three type, there it sets you up pretty nice for for the rest of the schedule and the rest of the run uh, there. So there, get excited. It's game week. Uh, we'll be down there uh, in a swamp, and I'll be down there. I'll, I'll look for a lot of you guys out there be uh, tailgating uh, and ready for the game, uh, much like you guys. So uh, thanks for Chris Doring. Again, can't thank him enough for joining me here on Gators Breakdown. Remember, you can find him on SiriusXM, SEC Network, uh, uh, and, and all his in- – thanks you know, thanks for him for sharing all his insight uh, on the Gators and you know, a unique perspective from a player's perspective perspective uh that only he can bring i'm your host of gators breakdown david waters you can find me on twitter at gator dave underscore sec and you can find gators breakdown on newsforjacks.com slash gators breakdown guys and girls out there thanks for listening to this episode of gators breakdown <laughs>